Today's episode of Growing Pains with David Campbell on the Unsettled Media Podcast Network is brought to you by the It's the Economy Stupid blog. That's David's blog. It's a blog about economic development in Atlantic Canada. Let's get to the show. Welcome, listeners, to another edition of Growing Pains, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to economic development in Atlantic Canada. Today is January 22nd, 2021, and Alicia Roisman Ismach joins us to talk about the potential of the financial technology or fintech uh, cluster in Atlantic Canada. If you don't know Alicia, you are in for a treat. She has a fantastic backstory with stops in Argentina, Israel, and New York, and now Moncton, New Brunswick. She is a tech entrepreneur and catalyst and currently entrepreneur in residence at Venn Innovation in Moncton. For those of you in the why would anyone ever want to move to Moncton crowd, Alicia has an answer. Her and her family moved here with no job and no prospects. They just liked the place and now they actually love the place. Like all entrepreneurial minded people, she didn't need a job. She created her own opportunity. She walked through the front door at Venn Innovation on spec with an idea that has ballooned into a vision to grow a global fintech cluster in Atlantic Canada. I was surprised to find out there are more than 100 fintech firms already here in the region, and Alicia believes that some of them, if not many of them, are poised for rapid growth. And although she still isn't a fan of the region's long winters, she has a vision of helping to build the fintech cluster in Atlantic Canada, and after hearing how in our conversation, I wouldn't bet against her. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alicia Roisman-Ismach as much as I did. Unsettled. Okay, Alicia, how did you end up in Moncton, New Brunswick? Uh, it's a great story behind it, actually. Uh, eight years ago, more or less, we were invited to visit New Brunswick by the Jewish community in St. John. Uh, Dan Elman, an amazing gentleman, bring us to visit uh, with the family and a number of other families. Uh, and I had the great pleasure to meet also Jerry Bond in that visit, uh, among other people in the St. John business community. Uh, we were looking for a place uh, in Canada. We really were looking for our next stage in life. We wanted quality of life, education for my little girl back then. Uh, and see how we can uh, start uh, having our new, uh, uh, you know, chapter in life uh, after all, so many years working hard. Um, after we left the visit, we never visited Moncton before. In that visit, we visited only St. John and Fredericton and then uh, continue with the car trip to Toronto. Um, when we were already in Israel back, um, making already all the arrangements to come to Canada and establish ourselves. Uh, we, we were talking to a family that came before us directly to Moncton and they told us that uh, they were already there uh, living, the, the, their kid was in the school, same age like my daughter, and they, they could help us find the place, find, you know, school. Um, we took a risk. We said, well, we never heard of Moncton before. We don't know how it looks, but at least we know someone that will help us with school and, you know, finding our first day home. Um, we landed here uh, to a completely unknown regional city uh, with no, you know, contacts, friends, other than that family that uh, we just uh, met. And we, we did the best uh, decision in our lives. I don't regret that for a second. On the contrary, it was an amazing surprise for us. 
uh, from everything, from the school, from our uh, neighborhood, and for the network I developed here, from business people like me that are in the same interest in technology and innovation that I didn't even expect to, to work in that area. I came for the quality of life, not for the professional side and found myself um, really into exactly what I love and my passion. So I couldn't be more, more grateful than that. That's fantastic. So you, you came here not for a job. You came here because you wanted to live in New Brunswick and, and this area um, for the quality of life. That's fantastic. I, last year I read um, a very interesting book on the Jewish community in St. John and the history. It used to be a very large community, actually, relatively large community in St. John. But it's, uh, and I know that there's been efforts to try and rebuild the community uh, over the years. Okay, so you ended up at Venn. What is an entrepreneur in residence? What What is your job, actually? Um, my ending up at Venn is also part of uh, this uh, story. Uh, I came to the region, and as I said, I, I was a, I was consulting to companies abroad in fintech. What I do, uh, so I was working for those companies. I didn't really care much about uh, finding uh, what to do here. But I am a networker. I am naturally a person that like to meet uh, you know uh, people in my same main mindset or that like the same type of things I do. So. I decided we need to have some networking events and I was looking in the internet which innovation centers we have and what they can do and I found the event innovation and I just became a member without even knowing them, not meeting them ever uh, and then after I became a member I met for the first time with the staff, especially with Barb Els, uh, the COO and I asked her if I could uh, hold maybe some networking events in their space uh, because initially I had a very large community called Founders Cafe and I said uh, I maybe can do something similar here and start meeting people. Uh, they were really amused by this person that came from abroad and want to have some networking events and they said sure well let's organize something it sounds great and they let me organize the first Founders Cafe in their space. Uh, after having a few of those meetings, I started to meet more and more entrepreneurs that were in my field of expertise, that is fintech, financial technologies. Uh, as I started to, to do so, I also started to help those entrepreneurs here and there with some advice, uh, some direction, some connections. Uh, so I became an entrepreneur in residence uh, by connecting to the to the community and the companies and helping uh, them understand uh, how they grow their companies in their specific uh, industry in fintech, of course. Entrepreneur in residence means that uh, uh, I had enough uh, expertise and international uh, experience and connections to help local entrepreneurs growth to the next stage of their uh, life of the, the companies. Uh, so it's not a, a role in, in terms that I am not working for them to uh, prepare certain content or, or work for uh, programs, but I work with entrepreneurs trying to bring them uh, more uh, uh, techniques or methodology and connections to grow their companies internationally more cost efficiently. So I want to ask you where these companies actually come from. So 
you know, if you think about traditional economic development, if you have a large forestry sector, you have startups that come along in the supply chain for the forestry sector. If you have a large whatever sector, right, you have the same effect. I'm, I'm trying to understand where fintech companies come from in New Brunswick and Atlanta, Canada, because we don't have a large financial services sector. Now, we do have a large back office sector, right, the customer service and things like that, but we don't have a big head office or more high value of financial activity. So where are these fintech companies coming from? Uh, the interesting part of these companies is that they are actually coming from the back office, the back, the back end or operational side of the, the large corporations. Uh, this is our advantage. Uh, and it was told to me the first time two years ago, but the senior uh, innovation executive from one of the largest banks in Canada, uh, I met them in uh, Toronto and he told me the advantage of Atlantic Canada is that you have a very strong back office operations uh, companies like uh, from uh, banks to, uh, to communications, to health, to everything. And that is the part that in many places in the world don't understand and don't know how to develop solutions for. And you do have that advantage. So our companies come more from the back end side than from the front side. We are less B2C and we are much more B2B. Uh, and they start from solving a problem. They don't start from a shiny uh, idea of, uh, wow, I, I want to do some I don't know, a B2C uh, loans or they really find the problem that the, these large corporations or banks have in the back end that is very hard to realize if you are not part of it or working for that day side. And then after they solve it and they understand that that technology or solution can be utilized in other environments as well, they start trend, then growing a company around. It's really different than other places in the world. So what you're saying is they actually, they're working in a, in a financial or other back office environment. They come up with some interesting idea how to solve a problem, and then they start a company around solving that problem. Is that fair to say? Not all of them come from working for the company. Some are consultants that were helping these uh, companies develop some uh, technology or uh, giving a third party service to them. And then they realize or see the problem or develop that as a as, as project and then they understand that the technology can be utilized also in other uh, environments uh, but they are connected to that side they understand it they come from uh, leaving that uh, that uh, area of the operation so we do have most of the companies in the back end the environment and the b2b uh, we do have others that come from the universities and they have a technology first and then they look to what to do with the technology that it happens also in other places. But uh, we have more uh, that come from the knowledge and the experience on the backend. So are they able to find initial customers here or do they have to actually look for customers in other markets on average in general? Uh, normally, they have some uh, case, like a use case in some local uh, company, not necessarily really the clients or customers they will look later, uh, not the size, not necessarily the, the type of in company in terms of uh, all their activities, but uh, 
a lot of them bootstrap and they are starting with some use case and then uh, after the first day or second they are normally already jumping to other markets out of the region uh, we do not have a local market and i can tell you that also it's an advantage although it may sound a little negative it's also an advantage not to have a local market uh, because yeah it sounds a little surprising but it's also what happened in israel and the reason uh, we had a, such a strong technology sector there is because the moment you need to grow companies that are able to grow, to sell internationally from day one and you need to support those global companies and you need to serve your clients anywhere they are thousands of kilometers from your home uh, you already start growing a fast-growing company that they can compete with anywhere in any company in the world uh, our companies here the moment they start selling already very early to companies that are not locally located, they are better prepared to grow, to grow a global company. They have other disadvantages, but that's not one of them. So that's very interesting. So how, like most of these entrepreneurs aren't necessarily salespeople, right? They normally have an idea for a technology or for a, to solve a problem. So how do they jump right into you know, selling into multinationals in Toronto or New York or wherever. How, how do you do that if you're just a small firm in Moncton or St. John? What they do normally is not really sales as per se. They don't go and sell to the large corporations uh, in the real way that you would grow a company, the most healthy way. They do technology sales, meaning they are technology people and they talk to technology people. So what happens is that their technologies, instead, instead of becoming a more independent technology providers that they can grow the company faster to, to real uh, size, uh, they start serving other technology people within other corporations, maybe technology integrators, maybe uh, technology consultants that provide services to other corporations, and then they lose the value chain that they could be monetizing because they they are talking technology to technology. They are not really talking technology to clients. Uh, part of them, once they pass the initial stage and have a little more funding, then they start working with the marketing and sales uh, team, and then they grow the sales operation. But we have too many that stay in the stage of technology providers and not on companies that are commercial enough to grow. And that's part of the disadvantage I was uh, mentioning before, is that our companies, although have the great technology, great entrepreneurs, they are solving real problems and have an advantage on that on many companies in the world. They don't have a, the immediate access to resources that they have in other regions that allow them to close the gap between that stage and the next stage where they can really grow the company. So I guess that's sort of a fundamental question for you. Um, I recently prepared a report on the IT industry in New Brunswick and it it has, you know, a lot of interesting firms and so on, but its total GDP impact or its total employment impact and so on is well below most other provinces, even even better lower than Nova Scotia, but not dramatically. But if you compare to Quebec and Ontario, you know, Ontario's three times larger on a per capita basis, the GDP from IT. Um, so I guess the question for you then is, is how do we do that? Is there a role for VEN or government or what's the role for communities, economic development agencies to try and 
support these companies to scale up. We don't need everybody to scale up, but it would be nice to have, you know, a few more Verifins uh, on an annual basis. So how, how do we do that? You have a lot of companies that have the potential to become Verifins. It's not a, a something that was unique to that company and no other company in the region could become like them. You have more than one that could become Verifin. Uh, what the, the organizations in the region can do is work better uh, as a community. Uh, we do have certain disconnect between all of us and even the entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I, I find a lot of time that I talk to an entrepreneur and they have no idea of other companies in their sector around them. Uh, that's not good because networking and, or the connection between us and the organizations and other entrepreneurs is what helped them also close those gaps. The having introductions to the right people, knowing which organizations out of the region are looking for solutions, uh, which investors are investing in different technologies or are looking for certain stages of companies. Personal introductions is what really break those barriers. Uh, we lack all, most of it, not all, but most of it, because uh, we are not very well connected between all of us. And it's something that uh, bothered me as I started to become more and more involved in technology here because I come from a place that is hyper-connected. Uh, in Israel, any entrepreneur has uh, one, two calls and you are exactly the person you wanted to talk to. Uh, you don't need even to know ahead what you need. You can talk to someone and they will give you a list of uh, potential introductions or which organizations you will be targeting. and. I am part of uh, forums in you know, social forums for uh, entrepreneurs in Israel, and you see the engagement, the constant questions and people helping and others answering. And here we are really each person working very hard to do their own company, not knowing that the neighbor, they may have the exact relation they need, and they're just not talking about it between them. And I don't think it's because uh, we don't value connections or we don't understand their value. I think that they, we have not made visible enough that there are a lot of companies around them that they can connect to and talk to. They really believe that they are pretty unique and no one can help them. So I think that it's very important to start uh, putting more effort uh, in the community on the connection between the organizations themselves and the organizations and the entrepreneurs, and a little less on each to its own and the, and the ownership of, of its own process. So no one can help them or they cannot help anyone else. Uh, so connections and, and community, that's on top of the rest of the efforts that need to be done for the companies. Uh, you say IT, for example, IT and its uh, impact in the, in the region. Uh, IT, it's important uh, as a measure when you are looking on economics, but when we are looking in the industry, we need to start talking sectors because sectors have a unique need or a benefit from different uh, resources. And when we mix uh, these sectors, uh, we are not providing them the real resource they require. I personally am around fintech, of course, but if you look at the other sector, for example, when we talk about digital health and we talk about fintech, there are certain commonalities, but they have each of them have different target markets, different type of investors, different type of valuations of stages, different type of expertise they need in their companies. If we don't start really t 
talking about the sectors that are being supported and how to support the sector with the real uh, resources they require. Uh, we are growing them uh, smaller, we are growing them slower. And that's what you saw when you see the, you know, the headcount on the companies that are smaller here than other region. If we want to solve that, we cannot take the IT sector as an IT sector because it will be very hard to take everybody and start growing them as once. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense, but I want to ask you specifically about it because why then do you think there's opportunity in fintech here as opposed to digital media or like, you know, there's historically government has tried to attract digital media. So, but then, you know, the province has put huge incentives on the table, BC and Nova Scotia too, to a lesser extent, certainly Quebec attracted French uh, animation studios and so on. So why do you think fintech why do you think fintech and and when we talk fintech are we talking and i know you have a regional view but is there an opportunity in new brunswick or is that more an opportunity for halifax like where do you see the opportunity for for fintech and why fintech in general? why fintech that's a great question uh, i don't believe in creating sectors i know that people uh, have tried that or have some plans on that and of course, each one has its own uh, reasons, but personally, I think we can grow sectors, not create them. Uh, after being here for a while, I started to recognize more and more and more fintech companies that the region and themselves didn't recognize. They didn't know they are fintech. Uh, the organizations working with them didn't know they are fintech. Uh, so my first activities during the first year and a half here was about educating the organizations, the government, everybody I could just talk to about what is fintech, why is fintech, and why we have so many companies that are actually fintech. So we do have a fintech sector, and we have enough companies to be a critical mass to grow the fintech sector to a very significant size. How I know that? Because in 2009, when the government in Israel decided to grow the fintech sector and put resources behind it, they recognized around 90 companies um, in the fintech sector that were startup companies started the initial stages. 90 companies. When we did our review here, we, we found over 100 companies already. And yeah, 100 companies in fintech. So in different stages, all of them post sales, not IBM stage. Uh, the moment we saw that the, if we compare Israel with the, uh, with the Atlantic Canada, we saw that we have a critical mass of companies and part of them were pretty advanced, much more than was in 2009, the companies in Israel. And the government there put a lot of resources to bring the companies to today. The Israel is one of the fintech centers in the world. Here we have already one unicorn was just sold to NASDAQ uh, in the region. So we are in the critical mass to grow the fintech sector in the region. You ask about New Brunswick. Many of these companies are actually in New Brunswick. We have a very nice uh, a group of them, actually, not at all less than uh, Nova Scotia uh, or other regions. Uh, we do have a lot of them because of the back office operations. When we took a mission to money 2020 in 2019, 10 companies came from us, all of them from New Brunswick. So, 
We have a very good uh, uh, presence of fintech companies in New Brunswick, uh, as there are in Nova Scotia, BI, and uh, Newfoundland, of course. Uh, so no, New Brunswick has a strength in fintech because uh, it has a strength in uh, in uh, back office, and not theoretically, it's happening. Uh, you have companies here selling to banks and around the world, and we don't recognize them as fintech. Uh, and they are already processing part of them, are processing billions of dollars within their systems without being called fintechs. Uh, the moment that starts getting into the sector in the right category, you have a sector that has high value that was not yet completely uh, take advantage of and monetized. And we don't have enough investments, of course, because uh, uh, we have uh, very little investment uh, firms, and especially not uh, in fintech, they're dedicated, of course. So most of the, fin the fintech investments right now, we are uh, uh, bringing also from abroad. You, you heard probably about the investment from Israeli investors into one of the companies here in New Brunswick, uh, Snap AP. So even investors from other regions in the world are starting to recognize companies here and invest in them. Uh, the sector exists. It's not about inventing a sector. It's about growing a sector. Just quickly, as an aside, is is there any opportunity in insurance, or are we talking mostly banking uh, sector? No, no. It's uh, also insurance. Uh, one of the companies uh, from Nova Scotia is uh, the first company in the fintech accelerator halt in uh, Montreal. Uh, halt didn't have any Atlantic fintech Atlantic Canada company before. And the uh, Talem is a, is a company in insurance uh, AI in data analytics. Uh, we have other insurance uh, uh, fintech company here in uh, Moncton. Uh, so we do have fintech uh, in uh, insurance, in regulation technologies, uh, in wealth management. Uh, we have others that are back end payments or uh, transactional for other industries, travel. Uh, even uh, for uh, large corporations in manufacturing. So fintech is not only banking solutions or uh, uh, payment solutions. You have com companies that are in the data side and are helping with improving uh, uh, how you know uh, transactions are provided or how to uh, analyze risk of clients or valuations of clients. Uh, so we have from all the sides, really not specifically only banking, but banking, of course, is an important part of it. So one of the challenges in Atlantic Canada, and this is a podcast for Atlantic Canada, but one of the challenges historically is that the four provinces don't necessarily work well together on economic development. There's a fear that if one province does better than another, uh, it's just annoying, right? If PEI is doing well, that bothers New Brunswick, if Nova Scotia. So... You know, it's almost like as long as we're all weak together, that's fine. But if one gets a little bit ahead of the other, that's a problem. And so I guess the question for you is, can you can you really have some sort of virtual cluster that where you where you have support and systems in place on a regional basis or are clusters better when they're physical? In other words, they occur in one city, in Tel Aviv, in a specific city. Or can you talk about a cluster like FinTech in the context of Atlantic Canada? 
Um, the pandemics prove us that uh, we can do it virtually. And uh, one of the things we have seen in 2020 is that all the activity uh, I'm doing with FinTech is across uh, provinces. I am working with the companies uh, in Newfoundland, in Nova Scotia, in New Brunswick, in PI. Uh, no, no borders, no barriers. The bubble uh, is not the bubble only for the pandemics and uh, crossing the border for vacations. The bubble, now it's a little close on that, but the bubble is, is definitely in the fintech sector. We are working as one region. Uh, I'm not talking right now about the organizations or the government. I'm talking about the companies themselves, about the activities we do, about the uh, initiatives, about the opportunities that we bring. If it's uh, from investors to uh, accelerators or any other type of collaboration, it's not dependent on city or province. Uh, I can tell you that we everybody talks about Tel Aviv and talks about the companies in Tel Aviv. Surprisingly, a large number of them don't even sit in Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is the name that everybody recognizes and is easier to say, but a large number of them are actually sitting in a city called Herzliya, that is out of Tel Aviv, uh, Ranana, Haifa, that is north. Uh, so uh, we tend to say Tel Aviv because it's just easier, doesn't mean that the companies are really sitting there. Uh, and Israel is very similar if you talk about the uh, Atlantic Canada because it's small, relatively small uh, and the concentration of people is uh, is uh, you know around those cities is that you can in in one hour or less you can or one hour and a half if you are a little uh, you can be with from one city to the other so it's very easy to go from one to the other for meetings or for a you know for a I don't know an act meetings or or a meetup or a conference or so they are moving around but they are not really all seated in one place in Tel Aviv, walking from with each other or something like that. It's not, it, it's different that people realize. Uh, we are very similar in that, we are different in other things, but the, our region has a lot of advantages on being small region, on being a very easy to move from one city to the other, from Moncton to Halifax, to Fellington, to St. John. Uh, it, it's really a, a very uh, easy way to connect things when we want to meet. For most, we don't need to meet. Everything is virtual and the pandemic has proven you can do everything remotely and work perfectly well. You can serve your clients, sell to them, support them and grow your, your firm without moving from your office. And the, the, the excuses for the sector in the region uh, are over. Uh, we don't have that excuse anymore. We, you cannot say, well, if you are not in the city, we cannot make meetings and meetups. Those don't exist anymore. So it's everything remotely, and our interests are much more important that are the disadvantage of working together. The advantages surpass it enormously. So the advantage of being connected between an entrepreneur in Moncton to Halifax and to St. John's is much more important than any uh, arguments between the provinces themselves. They need us. They need us wherever they are, and we need them if we really want to grow the, the, the region. So it's better for us to collaborate in any way. But are you getting starting to get interest from governments and from industry associations like Digital Nova Scotia and so on, or, or are you really just focusing on working directly with the firms? Oh, no, no. We, we are working with everybody. Uh, the government is uh, coming 
to, to do things and collaborate. The mission to Madrid 2020, of course, was uh, government supported and was, was for the older region. Uh, the mission to Atlanta that was not specifically fintech, but in Atlanta is very strong in fintech, uh, was uh, also for all the region. So things start to, to connect and work uh, across the different regions, uh, including uh, with collaboration with the government. We will see more, I, I believe. It's uh, Personally, I think that the moment uh, you start working with it and discovering the companies and understanding their presence, it comes more and more into play that everybody collaborates around. Um, I think that it's a work in progress, uh, but the, for our luck, the companies are there, have uh, great solutions, and are now that are starting to be connected uh, globally as well, they will be start growing faster and investors will start getting into the region much more frequently. So I expect in the coming two, three years to see a lot of development around it in, in our region. So that brings me to the question of how do you grow the cluster? I, I'm surprised there are 100 firms. That's very impressive. I could probably only name 10. So I think that's really great. Um, is Do you see growth coming from within, like trying to find ways to grow those 100? Or are there opportunities to see more entrepreneurs arise? Or how, how are we going to grow this cluster here in Atlantic Canada? Uh, there are many gaps to close, to grow the, to grow the cluster uh, or the sector. Um, one of the gaps is really the connectivity to the global industry. Uh, because we don't have entrepreneurs that have been, uh, I don't know, sold their companies or had some merger or, or, or huge investments from uh, global corporations or investors frequently into fintech, uh, other than the exit of uh, Verafin mainly, uh, we don't have those coming back and taking the other entrepreneurs with them to to the new connections or to the new places or bringing the investors to the region to find other technologies. Uh, that is a little uh, part of what uh, it will be start growing in the coming two, three years, because the moment that investors start recognizing that there are also other technologies, they already know the region, they already know that they can trust entrepreneurs from here, so they will start uh, keep being here more and more. The other uh, gap here is the recognition of the sector itself. Uh, the moment an entrepreneur is working on their solution without uh, connecting themselves to the sector, they don't know they are fintech, they cannot know also go and look for the resources that can help them. Because if they consider themselves a software company or ICT, you no, know, just an IT company, what they look for is a generalist solution to grow the company into IT. And of course, that doesn't bring any efficiencies and uh, fast growth to the company. So we need to do more to, uh, I call it educate, but it's awareness about how you recognize you're a fintech company. Why being a fintech company has other type of uh, processes that can help you grow the company or strategies that you can apply. Uh, recognizing your fintech also help you look for the right opportunities in terms of target markets or investors, accelerators that are for your specific vertical. If you don't recognize yourself as a fintech, why you would apply to a fintech accelerator? So you need all this uh, acknowledgement to, to, in order to have the sector growing. And the third part is the expertise of the people in the region to support companies in fintech. Meaning, 
how you can help the company find the right business models if you apply business models that are normally for a SaaS company, but not for a fintech company, for example. A fintech company is a SaaS company, but has specific business model for fintech. So applying generalist uh, solutions that are related to how you market and sell, how you um, apply business models or distribution models or positioning for the product, etc. doing generalist solutions on that don't grow the companies the right way. So there are many gaps to close. And, and of course, you cannot do everything at once, but more bring the awareness to all the organizations that can help as well as we start to create the, the ability to bring that knowledge to others. There is in Delhousie today uh, already a fintech course that is uh, led by Professor Maria Takura, and uh, she has a fintech course for people in their MBA as well as uh, in their bachelor degree. And so more talent is coming into the companies and the region as well from these uh, uh, courses, and more will be done from people that already know what fintech is and how to, to help companies. So that's the reason two, three years is, is the time I think it will take until this start uh, uh, creating uh, the right uh, uh, awareness and acknowledgement by companies and organizations as well. So one of the things I've been trying to do is convince governments to align their research investments and their spending with growth sectors. Do you see any opportunity to do more research related to fintech at the university level or is there anything government can do to come alongside and help strengthen or grow the value proposition for fintech in new brunswick and atlantic canada yes of course the government has a role as a, we saw in the case of israel when they decided to step up and support the sector they did it very successfully so governments can help grow a sector when it's a purpose behind and they put the right resources in place. Um, I don't think that starts specifically from research uh, for fintech, but do have a lot to do with more uh, graduates from the right faculties. So if we have more graduates from uh, computer science, if we have more graduates from uh, business and finance, if we have more people going into advanced degrees in those uh, in all those categories, uh, researchers, of course, uh, they will be a great uh, um, a great teams to create all those fast growth uh, fintechs, or will be the ones that can be recruited into the companies that are already coming to success or start growing. So the talent is very important, of course, and that can help. But it's not about creating a faculty for fintech is more about having all the uh, faculties that are part of a fintech company with more graduates. Uh, I don't think we have enough graduates yet at all if we look at the computer science and uh, and finance, etc. Uh, on the companies themselves, I don't think it's about uh, uh, grants or, or giving more money to, to development in terms of a specific support because uh, that's always good and important, but that doesn't grow a sector. I think that is more a support for the activities that help bring the sector to the visibility of the global centers and the global markets, connecting the sector 
to those uh, resources and uh, helping them get to the right uh, networks and experts uh, so they can learn from the next one and pass that knowledge internally. Knowledge sharing is part of what will make this sector more resilient. So having more knowledge sharing, learning each one from the other ones, we have all those connectors in place, is part of it. So growing a community around it is part of it. So if the government is coming in, it needs to be a kind of a holistic view, not about, let's say, invest in this faculty or in this uh, specific grant that we want to give for FinTech. It's more an holistic view of how we help the sector have all those small gaps in the middle closed so it grows faster, we have more people working for it, and they pay, of course, more taxes at the end. So more money invested in sector development as opposed to in, uh, increasing the amount of government money going directly into the firms. You will always have money going directly into the firms, but that doesn't uh, separate sectors. Uh, the moment you give money for, to a firm for specific things, like having more developers in the firm or having more exports, or you don't say only if you are in this sector, I will help you, because if the company is growing the right way, you want to support them. So you will give them money for that. But that doesn't grow a sector. Sector development needs to be its own activity and not the... Uh, related to the money you are giving to firms because that money to firms is because the firm is doing the right activities and growing the right way no matter which sector they are related to so i've always said in new brunswick here or atlantic canada if you need if you're a small business and you need ten thousand dollars there's probably 20 government programs you can access if you need fifty thousand there's probably 10 government programs you can access if you need a half a million dollars, there's maybe two government programs you can access. And if you need $5 million, there's no government programs you can access. So I guess the question for you is part of scaling up is capital, access to capital. Um, you know, it's I, I appreciate the bootstrapping idea, but you're not going to grow a $100 million company by bootstrapping. You need capital. Um where does that capital come from? If, if, if you're not saying government should be in the $5 million round, who, who sh where does that money come from and how do we make sure our companies have access to the big capital, the breakout capital, right? To go from a small firm to a medium size and then ultimately a large firm. There are two capitals that you have a, a not much existence here. And that's part of the gaps uh, that need to be solved. The first capital that they use is almost non-existent for technology companies, I'm not talking about other type of businesses, is angel investment or private investment. Uh, we don't have a much culture of uh, angel investment here. Uh, there are other regions like Israel, and I mention Israel a lot because it's where I grow my companies and where I come from, so I know it, uh, how it works there. There is a very strong uh, culture of angel investment. Uh, Talking to, again, you, you go to one, two people, they will organize a group of 20 and they will bring them to, to talk to you and see if they agreed altogether to invest in you. And here, people are very disconnected. The wealth is disconnected from the technology sector. Uh, wealthy families are not so actively in pursuing technology investment, not openly and not in a way that the entrepreneurs can freely uh, access them and tell them, pitch them, and, and tell them that they are doing that. It's a pity because everybody's losing from it. 
uh, this is not about charity. Uh, it's about uh, if you invest in technology sector in the region and you are wealth created in the region, you are getting more wealth back in the region and you are making your own money from it. It's, it's really a sector that can also bring very good ROI when they do it right. Our culture of uh, angel investment in the region is really needed a true improvement, a very strong improvement. Uh, and that's part of the disconnect between the wealth and the entrepreneurs in technology that would be closing the gap on getting that money from the half million to the two million normally you get from private investment. Uh, the other gap is the investment, the VC, the, 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 the investment from firms or, or institutional investment that is not the government again. Uh, we do not have local VC firms other than the uh, ones that are created for the small rounds. And they are also limited in, in money. They cannot invest in, in enough companies, so, you know, because that's the amount we have in the region. Uh, so the entrepreneurs need to raise money from VCs or investors from other regions. And it was a struggle till a year ago. It was really hard. They don't know you. You are not coming from any introductions from entrepreneurs. They know or trust. Uh, they don't know the region, why they will invest in a place that they don't know even if they don't know do you know how to grow a company here? Why I will invest here? I, that changed in 2020 significantly. First, a lot of investors around the world learned to invest remotely, not meeting the entrepreneurs even once. We had a, in the last year a, a few investments like that in FinTech from entrepreneurs, from investors around the world for private investment. Now they are starting to pursue VC investments VCs are starting to invest in companies around the world virtually again. Because of the pandemics, they understood that there is no point on location. They can work with anyone. They are starting to invest more and more remotely. That's our advantage. We can take part of it as well. Now that we have the exit of Verafin, they also know that the region knows how to grow a unicorn that is significant in fintech, not in any other sector. So we have all the advantages in place to start bringing money from anywhere in the world. It's not about only local money. But there is no reason that our local uh, angel investors or private investors will not step up and start investing in the local companies. That need also to be developed or, or solved in some way because local investment is always what can accelerate the growth of the companies to the next stage much faster especially when the investors have an interest in the region, they have an interest in the development of the sector, they are very experienced in business, they know uh, how to value, value or evaluate a, a good entrepreneur and see that they, they are uh, doing the right things, they can give a hand at the beginning. Uh, and then angels from other places or private investors from other regions will also come easier when they know that local investors trusted the company to put the first uh, half million dollars, for example. When our entrepreneurs come to investors around the world with no local investment, it raises flags. It's a, it's a red light. They want to know why no one trusts you there. And it's not that they don't trust. It's our local investors are not so experienced or interested in pursuing technology investments yet. So it's part of what we need to solve. So I wanted to ask you in our time that we have left, I want to ask you a bit about Israel. Um, 
I'm a big fan of on economic development. I don't know all the rest of it is 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 open for discussion. But as somebody who studies economic development, it's been pretty amazing what that country has done um, in terms of growing sectors, built, taking the defense sector, and then turning that into an engine to drive startup growth and exports and so on. So I think there's there's a lot to learn there. But I guess I wanted to ask you specifically about maybe your role. Because I know the province has been talking about Israel for years and they've gone on trade missions to Israel and they've tried to attract companies from Israel and they've tried to attract investors from Israel. And when I saw the SNAP AP uh, investor investments, I, I think that's the first time I've seen it. Now, I'm not saying that there haven't been is Israeli company investments in New Brunswick. I don't know enough about that. But that's the first one I saw publicly. So what are you... Are you actually trying to connect uh, the fintech industry here to actual investors and, and partners back in Israel? Um, this investment uh, was part of my network in Israel. Um, I reach out to my network in Israel to bring investments from there because uh, I talk about the gap of investors trusting the region. They know me. And they trust me because uh, part of those investors I connected invested me in the past. Uh, when I connected them to the region, they passed that trust to the people I connected them to. Now, for the next time, this is not anymore about me. This is now about investors that already invested in the region, no one entrepreneur in the region, and they can ask also that entrepreneur about the next entrepreneur they are investing in. So things start moving, as I said before, community, network, uh, knowledge transfer is exactly what will help us getting to the sector growth. Uh, I want to connect investors from all around the world to the region. It was easier for me to start from there, but it's not the only place uh, we are doing that activity. I'm working also with some uh, experts and contacts in the US to start connecting them to the region uh, one of the largest accelerators in uh, for banking in the US called ICBA, that is uh, over 7,000 community banks, accepted this year the only non-US company in that cohort, in the accelerator, is Buceron from New, from New Brunswick. Uh, it's the only one that is not a US company there. And last year they had some Israeli companies. So, the moment we connect them to this type of resources and bring more, they, the knowledge and the connections start transferring between them. Uh, that's exactly the, the, the effort the, that they are, we are doing and is connecting those ecosystems. Israel has a lot of private and non-private investment. Uh, funds is the last uh, problem in terms of uh, investment there. Uh, so I'm connecting that to our region. It's not an easy effort because I don't have the co-investors from the region to help them, that would make it much faster. But I think that after the, the, the investors here start seeing that, they may join and then they will have also some in angel investment culture here locally as well. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Because when you read the, the Unicorn in the Woods, the book, uh, uh, the Pitt's book, um, you know, he did talk about how for some of the big exits that we've seen in New Brunswick, a lot of that uh, capital left the region because they were owned by investors in the U.S. So I have no problem with U.S. or international investors. I think it's great. 
But as you said, it would be great to have more of our New Brunswick uh, high net worth people step up and invest in these startups because then when that you know money flows back in, it actually flows in and stays as much as possible in New Brunswick. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Can you tell us a little bit about Snap AP? Um, I know I don't know the I don't know them. I just know David Jonah. I've known David Jonah for 25 years, and I know in the late 90s, I worked on a project with him to develop something that looked a lot like Facebook. And then it didn't get funded, and Facebook started later. But he's always been what I call an internet cowboy. Uh, he's, you know, I always had these ideas, but I don't know the other uh, owners there at Snap AP. Can you tell us a little bit about Snap AP, how to get started, what was your role, uh, and what do you think is going to happen with that company? Uh, the company started or was established uh, uh, by JD. Um, JD is really a technology genius. Uh, I have been following his story and how he started, and it's a fascinating story to hear, but let's leave it to him. Uh, he, he is really a person that, as I said, from the back end, he was helping large uh, corporations to solve an issue on all their purchase to pay process that was very complex and non-controlled. And while doing so, uh, he started to put in place the technology and a platform that can automate and streamline all that, but also can be used for other companies as well. So he started the, the, the what we see in the region that is more common, solving a problem for a corporation, developing a technology around bootstrapping, and then the moment that was already running and he could grow the company further, he joined the, the Mission to Money 2020, where we could validate exactly his value proposition to see that he has a value proposition for the financial sector that is beyond the solving an internal issue for the corporation because he took care of everything from the purchase to the payment itself. Uh, in May 2020, really the validation, even with the very largest uh, banks in the US, was very strong. And since then, uh, SNAP-AP uh, partnered with very large corporations like Oracle and the SH. They are uh, working now in, uh, in the growth stage on bringing companies more and more to their system. And on the financial side also, on putting in place all the uh, financial network to support from the corporation to the vendors, and the payment. Now, my role there was uh, mainly really the connection with, with the experts, uh, an expert in the US that is working with them also on all the net on the financial uh, platforms, but also with the investors to bring them to the next stage. Because if they continue the regular uh, uh, process that is in the region, they would bring two or three more clients. And then they will uh, go into some debt uh, financing, maybe, and then they will grow to certain size. And you will see them in three, four, five years having 15 employees, maybe 20, and very, very, you know, happy that there is some company here with some people. And uh, everybody will think, oh, we have a technology company that is doing well. But they will be stuck in some point because if you don't really fund the company for the next stage, they cannot put in place strategic partnerships. They cannot go for the channels. They cannot really grow faster and, and go to a company. Don't, don't stop at the 20 employees that they happen to us a lot here, but go really for the hundreds of employees and billions of dollars uh, around the world. Now, 
this is the stage the company is right now. It's about the, the growth, it's about the putting really the resources in place for growth. Uh, the connection I made with the investors there was specifically for people that were interested in fintech. One of the investors uh, was the CEO of an Israeli bank and one of the largest investment firms. So this is one of their angel investors. The moment they go to the next stage of investments, this is exactly the type of people that bring you to the investors that you need for the because the moment you were a CEO of a large investment firm and a bank, you also know those that invest the two, three, or five million dollars when the company goes to the next one, is exactly the type of introduction. They they know that he already invested, he did his due diligence in the company, he trusts the company, so the next one also comes with another type of relation to the company in order to invest in them. Um, one of the things that the more important for me when I connect to Israel is not about bringing companies from Israel here. I think we have really a lot of companies with great technologies. And I don't think that Israel is a market to sell as well. There is no market there really. It's very small. It's only the important part for me is really that uh, we have access to a lot of expertise that exists there for so many years about growing the companies, about investments, about uh, how you bring the company to the large acquisitions without losing the company to other markets. Uh, Verafin gave a great example of how you sell a company and still leave it in the region, get investment for the next growth of the region and the company, and the founders really uh, put in place everything needed for the region as well, not only for themselves. Uh, we can do the same with the next companies that come after them. The companies should not leave the region just because we are acquired. Israel uh, did the same for many years. They, at the beginning, companies started disappearing after acquisitions. For the last 20 years, companies are very clear I will sell the company, but the company stays here, and I want to develop the company in my place. Our, our entrepreneurs should follow that path. You can sell your company, you can do mergers, you can do IPOs, but leave the company in the region, because this is the region where the company grows, and, and the history of those entrepreneurs is here. So I hope we have more like Verafin entrepreneurs that do the same, and we bring the knowledge, we bring funds, but we don't need to lose the companies to other regions. So I want to end our conversation with a question about you personally. Um, it's a very interesting story to me. You sort of just show up, you knock on Ven's door, you know, and the next thing you know, we've, you're really helping, playing a very important role to, to grow this cluster of, of fintech firms. I guess the first part of my question is what's in it for you? Like, why are you doing this? Why why don't you just go start your own firm? Or like, why why do you see, why do you get personal value in helping a bunch of other firms grow? Are you taking equity stakes? Are you like, what, what what's in it for Alicia? I don't take any equity stake or any options in any company. I am offered many times to join the companies or to manage them, but they not my interest at all, and also not uh, to have any uh, financial gain from the companies. Uh, yes, I know that it sounds uh, surprising, but that's not my goal at all. Uh, I have been an entrepreneur for many times, from over 20 years. I have been in that roller coaster. 
where you start a company, you go up and down and, and need to find the solutions in the middle to different things like crisis, economic crisis that happen in the middle of your company and they, you don't know how it will affect it and all the time. I did it, it's fantastic, I love it, but uh, it's over for me in my, my lifetime. I, I am on another stage in life. My interest is, I, I am passionate about fintech, really passionate is something that I am doing for over 20 years. I recognize that you have enough companies here. I want this sector to grow, I want this sector to be strong. I know that we can do it because the moment the sector is, grow, is, is strong and grow enough, we will have the international innovation centers and investors coming into the region. My goal, dream, let's call it that way, is to see that happen in my lifetime where I can see Atlantic Canada as one of the strongest fintech sectors in the world. And when we started calling it Atlantic fintech, that's the way we, we call it. Atlantic fintech, it's the world for the region for the fintech sector. I want to see Atlantic FinTech in the top of all the activities. When we talk about the top 20 FinTech sectors in the world, Atlantic FinTech needs to be there. Uh, uh, that will be uh, my dream come true. And that's what I want to see happening in the coming years, uh, because that's really my next stage in life. I creating companies, it's already not uh, what I really want to do. Uh, my passion is FinTech and this region. So I put them together and I want Atlantic FinTech, that is the region and FinTech, to become a reality. Uh, it's not a private company, it's not for profit, it's not about uh, me having any uh, uh, percentage of the companies or options. Um, who knows, maybe in the future I will have a FinTech uh, fund here in the region to, to invest in them, but uh, not uh, gaining uh, from them any benefit. Well, we thank you so much for sharing your vision and your insight and knowledge on the fintech sector in Atlanta, Canada. It's been very, very uh, helpful and instructive. And I hope to have you on again at some point to talk about new developments in fintech. And we're so glad you're committed sort of medium and long term, not only to living in this region, but also helping grow this very important sector of the economy. I appreciate being here and uh, I, I appreciate also the entrepreneurs in the region that give this opportunity to exist. Without them, there is uh, no fintech sector, that's for sure. Okay, well, good luck and we'll certainly have you on again. Thanks again. Thank Bye-bye. Growing Pains with David Campbell is produced by me, Matt George, is engineered by the great Zachary Pelche and is part of the Unsettled Media Podcast Network.